The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should enroll. This was the first enrollment when Quinlerius was governor of Syria. So all went to be enrolled, each to his own town. And Joseph, too, went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, that is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. Now there were shepherds in that region living in the fields and keeping the night watch over their flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were struck with great fear. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you who is Christ and Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those of whom his favor rests. Gospel of the Lord. We have all noticed, but perhaps without really being aware of it, how our senses today are bombarded in ways they never were in the past, especially our sense of sight and sense of hearing. There's always something new and brilliant to see, for good or for evil. There's always something new, something new to attract the eye and some new sound to attract the ear. We seem to live from novelty to novelty. And the true things, the old things, even the miraculous things, seem to be forgotten. Who today will notice a childbirth? 
except perhaps the parents and the family, of course. But we aren't really awed by it. We don't really think of it as being miraculous because it is natural. Who would notice that child? And why would he come that way anyway? I mentioned this during the season of Advent. He doesn't come as he did on Mount Sinai with flames and trumpets, thunder and lightning. He comes into the world as we came into the world through the womb of a mother, the mother, the woman. He comes in an ordinary way and therefore can be overlooked by the world in which he lived. The people who seemed to matter didn't know it all and didn't care. In fact, he's born in real isolation. His parents in a cave. Very few are notified, very few come. It doesn't seem to matter. And yet, the entire world, as I've said before, the entire entire cosmos, centers on that one place in that one time. The entire universe is focused on that moment. But yet it seems so obscure, doesn't it, to our world to a world of novelty. Obscure people, poor people, in an unknown town, in a really unimportant country, and yet God chooses that as a means to enter into our world. To think of it, the word of God, the second person of the Trinity, as one writer said, And now from the very beginning, from the origin of the world, from his operation in all of creation, and finally through the messenger who had been sent, the Logos steps into history. God steps into history. Again, how do we imagine such a thing? Because he did it in such an ordinary way. We would expect more, but not with God. And then we have to ask ourselves why he has come. It's very easy to focus on that event, and we must focus on it right now because we are meant to, to focus on the incarnation, to focus on his birth. The God becomes visible. And how? In this way. Think of it. The first practical conclusion of the incarnation and of his birth is vulnerability. He can be wounded. The God on Mount Sinai couldn't be. The God in the desert couldn't be. The God in the temple couldn't be. But God, taking human flesh, now can be wounded. We must come back to that every Christmas. I always enjoy looking at my Christmas cards after Christmas, when there's time to really reflect on them. Um, As I said, someday I'm going to spend Advent and Christmas in a monastery and not have to worry about all these things. But for the time being, it's usually after Christmas we have time to reflect on Christmas. And just to look at them and to think, this child has come for a reason beyond my comprehension. Most of the world will not recognize it. Most of the world really doesn't care. Or it might for a moment. Our churches will be packed 
this weekend, probably, this week. People will come who wouldn't ordinarily come. Even people who don't care are aware of it. But you and I, as I've said many times before, came into the world to live. He came into the world to die. That was the reason for that child entering into our world, for the Logos stepping into history. Not in some dramatic way, not through some act of omnipotent providence, but by walking among us, by living among us. And so we must follow him there. We must follow him from there, too. Because everything speaks about his death. That may seem like a strange thing to say at Christmas, but we have to constantly come back to that because we're always tempted to be trapped in one moment of time. The shepherds are there because he has come to give himself. The magi are there because he has come to give himself. The two types of people who are always at the manger, by the way, those who know that they know nothing, the shepherds, and those who know that they don't know everything, the magi, the wise men. They come to witness this child, the one who was born into Bethlehem, the house of bread in Hebrew. He is born in a manger where animals eat. And the shepherds come, those who raise lambs for slaughter. His whole life, in a way, is capsulized in that manger. Now, usually at a time like this, I will ask children questions. I'm not quite sure how I quite do that tonight, but um, I would say to them first, all right, the Lord is in the manger. Now, for 30 years, we hear nothing about him except in the temple when he is young. And what happens to him then? Yes. He gets lost in the temple, that's true. And then we don't hear about him at all until he appears in public. Healing, preaching. But where is he going to go from there ultimately? Why has he come? To die for our sins. He must go from there to there. That's the great mystery of Christmas. That's the mystery of the manger. But that doesn't end it either, does it? Of course not. He came to suffer and die for us, but he came to triumph over sin and death. How does he do that? How does he triumph over sin and death? What does he do after he dies? After he dies, what does he do? He, first he does what? He goes, and then, and then from where? And then he, first he rises from the dead, the resurrection. And then after 40 days, what? He ascends to the Father. And then who does he send after 50 days? The Holy Spirit. But that doesn't finish it either, does it? Because the manger isn't finished there. There's one more thing that he does. What does he do then? How does he come to us? How does he come to us after that? Through the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the reality of Jesus Christ. Our Lord's whole vocation now becomes present here. And we have to convey that to the world. A world that wants to see Christmas as simply a nice story. And all of our Lord's life is simply a story that we can remember. It can never be that way for us. It is always going to be 
an ultimate reality made present in the flesh and blood of the Lord. So, uh, as we reflect on these mysteries, we reflect on what is happening today, we have a new sense of love, don't we? Realizing exactly what God has done. I say this always at this time of year. Uh, He did it all because he so desperately wants our friendship. The one thing we would like sort of to keep from him because it's going to demand too much. Did you ever say to the Lord, Lord, take me wherever you want me to go? But in the back of our minds we're saying, but I'll let you know what the limits are. Because I have a feeling you're going to take me where I don't want to go. To do things I don't want to do and to become what I'm afraid to become. And the Holy Family teaches us what that means. Once again, remember, all three of them, our Lord, the Blessed Mother, and St. Joseph, I mentioned this yesterday too, have all come to do the will of another, not their own will. The Father sent the Son. The Blessed Mother responds to the will of the Father. Let it be done unto me, as you say in St. Joseph, without ever saying a word, simply responds whenever he is told. That's what love does. So, Again, a great joy tonight. I mentioned Sunday a prayer of St. John of the Cross. I'd like to repeat that poem tonight uh, because, as I said, it said it so simply. It needs to be said more than once, as only St. John of the Cross could say it in a translation, of course. And then he sent for an archangel, St. Gabriel. And when he came sent him forth to find a maiden. Mary was her name. By Mary, and with her own flesh, he clothed himself in his own frame. Both Son of God and Son of Man together had one name. The very idea of it all. And we will only understand it if we will sit in silence and reflect on it. There's no other way to do it. It's one of the nice things about all of our Christmas traditions, cards, everything. It's supposed to prepare us just to sit in silence before God and think about what he has done. Only then can we really come out of just the craziness of the season, so to speak, and be transformed as the Lord wishes us to be transformed tonight. So... um, We will go on now to make that Lord present once again to us, to allow him to come into our our world and to come into our lives, uh, to transform us as he has transformed all humanity. But once again, it's a matter of being willing to receive him. Everything depends on that. Everything depends on our openness to what he has done and to his transforming power. We have said, come, Lord Jesus, we can now say that he's come. And yet, although he has come, we still have long journeys, most of us, but he never stops coming. Our job is to be open to that reality. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the birth of your Son, and trusting in your love and mercy. 
for the church throughout the world. She will always be a visible sign of Jesus Christ present in his world. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they will realize Jesus Christ coming to them and respond in love. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For those who are sick and suffering and dying, they may know the consolation of the Lord in their lives. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who no longer recognize the Lord, we pray to the Lord. For greater respect for human life, and today in particular for life in the womb, for legal protection of that life, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who in a special way will make visible the Incarnation, for a greater reverence for the presence of the Incarnation in marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that having been in the presence of the Lord, the presence of the Incarnation, they may then proclaim that to the world in which they live fearlessly, we pray to the Lord. For all those who travel at this time of year, especially our own parishioners, that they will travel safely, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, especially for those deceased that we miss at most at this time of year, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed And for all of us here, that Jesus Christ, incarnate, born, and glorified, may always be in our presence and in our minds, and may be visible signs of that love, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of God as we sing. Mm-hmm. 